And amen. As you have a seat, turn to two people and say, get it back. Get it back. It's time to get it back. You'll know what that means in just a few minutes. I, uh, I'll start with a question. The question is, what have you lost? Like, have you ever lost anything? Of course you have. I'm just wondering what you've lost. I can tell you with me and my family, we like to sometimes play games. You know, family games, maybe you grew up playing games, and, or today you play games with your family. What we like to play is I like to gather Jody and the kids around, and, and, we, and I like to play, uh, who took my phone? Okay, that's what I like to play. Who took my phone? And they'll say, no one took your phone. And then I'll say, you know what, someone took it, and I don't know where it is, and we're going to find it. And you might be thinking, well, to find a phone, it's simple. You just kind of call it, right? Not in the game that I play, because I like to put my phone on silent or, like, do not disturb. It just makes the game that much more frustrating and fun. So, so we'll look around the house, and we'll look for my phone. And um, it doesn't bring our family closer together. This game doesn't. It actually probably brings us farther apart. But, uh, and, and there's different variations of this game. You could, there's another game called Where Are My Keys? Have you ever played that game? There's, there's Who Took the Remote? I bet some of you, you play that game. Where did it go? So I don't know. There's things that I, I, I'm in the habit of losing or people are in the habit of maybe taking from me. What have you lost? It might not even be something physical that you lose. It could be something emotional. Maybe, maybe you've lost, I mean, maybe you've lost, should I, should I do it? Yeah, I'll do it. Maybe you've lost that love and feeling. Come on, sing it with me. Whoa, that love and feeling. You're scared. You've lost that love and feeling. Now it's gone, gone. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, enough of that nonsense. But what have you lost? Maybe it's something spiritual. And that's where I'm going to park today. Maybe you've lost your passion for God. You, you had it at one time, but it, it, it's gotten dull. It, it, it's faded away. Maybe for some of you, it's your joy. You know the scripture, it says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. But you haven't felt that kind of joy in a long time. And you haven't felt that kind of strength in a long time. Maybe it's your faith. You've gone to God, but God hasn't showed up in your life, at least not how you prayed. And the prayers that you pray, they're not getting answered. And, and, and the change that you're hoping for is not happening. And your faith thus has wavered. Or what about hope? Have you lost hope today? Have you lost hope that there's, there's a, a dream that I used to have, but I don't have it anymore? And I don't live for the future. I just try to get through today. Maybe you've lost hope. What is it for you? See, have you lost your edge? And when I say have you lost your edge, I'm talking your spiritual edge. Have you lost it? See, today God wants to help you get it back. Say, get it back. He wants to help you get it back and take it back. The story that we're going to look at today, there's a man that literally lost an edge. And you're going to see that the miracle that we're going to look at today, it's probably one of the most weird, obscure miracles I've ever read in God's word. Maybe the most. Like I read it and I'm like, why is that even, I almost wonder why it's in there. Now, if you're new, understand something. We're in a series called Cut the Cord. And this series centers on a prophet named Elisha. So Elisha, God did amazing things through this man. And what he did in this miracle that we're about to read together, it, it's, it's so, again, strange. I just got to read it to you, and you'll see how somebody just truly lost their edge. I'm preaching out of 2 Kings chapter 6. Now understand something. Elisha 
was raised up by another prophet named Elijah. So Elijah raised him up to be a leader. And now, let me give you the context. Now Elisha is raising up other prophets to be leaders. See, that's leadership. Leadership is raising up the next generation. This is what he's doing. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 1. This is what it says. One day, a group of prophets came to Elisha and they told him, Hey, as you can see, the place where we meet, it's too small. Let's go down to the Jordan River, the same river that Jesus would be baptized in about 900 years later. Let's go down to the Jordan River where there are plenty of logs. There we can build a new place for us to meet. All right, Elisha said, go ahead. And someone suggested, hey, Elisha, why don't you come with us? And he's like, all right, yeah, that sounds good. I think I'll do that. So he went with them and they arrived at the Jordan River. They began cutting down trees. But as one of them was hacking on a tree, cutting it down, the, the student, his axe head, flew off the handle and into the Jordan River. True story. And he's like, oh, sir. Oh, no, he cried. That was a borrowed axe. It's kind of a funny statement. Now, the reason that he's probably freaking out is a couple things. Number one, iron. It would have been made of iron. Iron was very valuable during this time. Very valuable. Secondly, I mean, he's like, he's like a college student. I mean, he's like an intern. You think he's got money to pay that thing back? No. See, if you have a lot of money and you're in college, you're not even going through the correct college experience. You're supposed to have nothing like I had. It was, we were so bad. Quick story. My roommate and I, when we were freshmen... We, we went, literally went to the grocery store, and my buddy wanted to buy a box of mac and cheese. That's what he had money for. Like, he didn't know if he had more than a dollar in his checking account. We go to Kessler's grocery store in Aberdeen, South Dakota, and he grabs a bo box of, it might not, not even been Kraft. It might have been just the white box. I don't even know. But it was, it was 69 cents. So we get, up to the, we get up to the counter, and here's what he does. He, see, we didn't have debit cards. I mean, this kind of, this will date me. We, there was no debit cards, so you'd have to, actually have to write a, a check. Now, if you're under 30 years old, a check, it, you actually pay to the, anyway, Google it. But we yet actually write it out. So he's writing a check for 74 cents. And the woman's looking at him like, like, what is your problem? I mean, I'm like, lady, you want us to start? Because we got a lot of them. But she, she's like, so finally she stops him. She says, you can't write a check for less than a dollar. Like, you can't write a check. I didn't know that. I don't even know if that's a rule. She might have just made that up. But she said, you cannot write a check for just cents. That makes no sense sense. Sorry, sorry. So she, he can't do it. So she stopped him. So and I, as I recall this story, I don't even know how it ended. Like it's like I blacked out. I don't know if he went and got another box of mac and cheese and wrote a check for over the amount and got an overdraft for 30. I have no idea. And some of you are probably thinking, well, you're with him. You're his friend. Why didn't you just give him a dollar to buy it? I have no idea. I must have been a jerk. I don't know. I didn't know Jesus at the time. I don't remember how the story ended. I just knew that you can't write a check for 74 cents. So but anyway, so they had nothing. He can't pay back the axe head. He can't do it. So Elisha, listen to what he says. Elisha says, tell me, where did the axe head fall? Okay. He says, all right. He shows him the place where it fell. And Elisha takes a, cuts a stick, throws the stick in the Jordan River. And what happens? The axe head, a chunk of iron, floats to the top of the Jordan River. Grab it, Elisha said. And the man reached out and grabbed it. Now that's weird. I don't, like, like one of the things I really gleaned from the story as I read it 
I've read it before, but one of the things that hit me is God truly cares about everything in our life. Doesn't he? If he cares about so much about an axe head falling in the Jordan River that he would use his miraculous power to raise it, God must care about all the details of our lives. Every, even the small things. He does. Like the exam that you have coming up, maybe for finals, he cares about it. The headache that keeps coming back and you, you can't seem to get rid of it, he cares about that. When you stub that little pinky toe of yours and you heard it, and then all of a sudden words shoot out your mouth, words you never thought you knew, words that would make a sailor blush. God cares about it. He don't like what you're saying, but he cares about that little piggy that's crying wee, 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 all the way home. He cares. Sorry, that was weird. So he cares. He cares about when you're running behind schedule. He cares about that when you're flustered and you're going to be late and then you're behind somebody driving the speed limit, right? He cares. And I'm like, God, if you really cared, you'd blow out their transmission so I could get around them. I'm just saying, God, you don't care that much. But he cares. So God, so listen to me. If it matters to you, it matters to God. If it matters to you, you're like, some people are like, I don't want prayer. It's so little. I'm like, why would you say that? If it's on your heart, if it's on your heart, it matters to God. There is, no, there is no such thing as too small a prayer to go to God. That makes no sense. If it matters to you, it matters to God. That, that God showed me that right away. But the bigger, the bigger thing in this story that we read together is this. That man literally lost an edge. And I thought to myself, what edge have we lost? What spiritual edge have we lost? See, if we're honest, we've all been there. And some of you, you're there right now. It, it might be, I mean, there, there's a lot of things I think about. It might be the people that you wrap yourself around. Maybe you've lost some good people in your life. Some good people that they would encourage you. And they would build you up. And they would challenge you. And they would sharpen you. But you don't have that anymore. And because you don't have that, all of a sudden now you're, you're making decisions. And your Christian values, they've kind of waned a little bit. And you're making decisions that you never thought you'd make. And you're doing things that you know aren't right, but you're still doing them. Because you've lost those people. What, have you, what edge have you lost? Maybe for some of you, it's actually serving in the body of Christ, in the church. You look around, you see the green shirts that, that we wear the first Sunday of every month. People that serve in the body of Christ, they are the church. I tell them all the time. Maybe that was you at one point, or you thought about it. But because things happen, maybe COVID hit, or whatever, and you got out of the habit of serving, and you got out of the habit of actually being the church, you've lost that edge. For others, it's your prayer life, if you're honest. It, it, it's dull. And I'm not judging you. I've been there with you. You don't even think about maybe praying throughout the day. It never crosses your mind. Sure, you think about it when you're here on a Sunday morning or you're listening online, but during the week, it's just you doing your thing with whatever you need to do, and you don't go to God. And if you do, it might be just a quick prayer at night or a quick prayer before a meal. It's like rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub, yay God. You know, it's, it's, that's about it. But have you lost that edge? Maybe you can't remember the last time you truly gone to God authentically, intimately, you've gone to God with a specific prayer, a bold prayer, and you've taken that time. Maybe you can't remember the last time you've done that. Maybe for some, the edge that you're losing is just the gathering. Maybe you're not, gather, you're not gathering and coming and being the church like we're doing right now as much as you used to. It used to be more consistent, but now it's less consistent. Maybe you watch online, or you're watching, or you're listening, and maybe for you, you're like, God, there's really no reason I shouldn't be there, or I couldn't be there, but you've gotten out of the habit. Because it's become a little bit more convenient or it's a little more easy. I can do it on my timetable at my convenience. 
And that's what it is for you. I don't know what it is for you. I'm just giving you examples of what it could be. When I think about the gathering of the church, by the way, do you know what God always brings me back to? How powerful this is, what we're doing? By the way, I'm proud of you for, for, for being here today because there's a lot of things we can do in our time, in our day, in our weekend. But, but, but you understand who you are in Christ? It ain't our time, it ain't our day, and it ain't our weekend. It's all his, right? So Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, I just have to inject this in here because it hits me every time because I wanna show you how powerful what we're doing right now is. This is what we're doing. The, the author writes, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. When we gather as the body of Christ, we are motivating one another. We are praying for one another. We are there for one another. And you know what we're motivating each other to do? Let's go do good in the world. Let's go make a difference in somebody's life. Let's go love somebody. Isn't that the goal? Isn't that the goal? If somebody said, what should I be doing? I should do good to others and I should love. Okay, if you do that, you have it covered. That's what we're doing. We're motivating each other right now. Verse 25, let's keep going. And let us not neglect meeting together. I know there's some that maybe don't do it because, because of a medical thing. And I get that. I understand that. We want you to, of course, be safe. But let's be honest, for many, we fall out of the habit of coming because other things come up. Let us not neglect meeting together, but encourage one another. See, I don't know if you need encouragement, but man, I do. And this is huge for me. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. And it is. Repeat after me. Say, presence is powerful. Your presence is powerful. The body of Christ, when we gather together, it is powerful. Now, what I'm not saying, I'm not saying that, like, the, the building is the church. You know better than that. It isn't. But you know what also isn't church? You just listening to your favorite worship music. That's not the church. You listening to your favorite preacher when it's convenient. That is not the church, right? The people are the church. The people are the church. It is not about organized religion. Understand this. We are not about organized religion. We are about intentional relationships with Christ at the center. That's who we are. And that happens in a gathering. This is the huddle so we can go be the church. That's what it is. What, what? What has gotten dull? Maybe it's the last time you've shared your faith. Maybe you can't even think of the last time that you shared your story with somebody else. Don't you remember when you first met Jesus? Do you remember and you recall, man, I used to be so white hot for the Lord. I used to invite others. I used to share my faith. Man, I wasn't just inviting to church. I was bringing people to church. But maybe you can't remember the last time that's ever happened. And you've gotten out of the habit. And, and, and that white hot fire, it's become a flickering or a, a barely a flame that's staying alit. It's become distant. Your, your heart for lost people has become distant. Listen to me. I'm, I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching with you. This, this can be me. And you might be thinking, well, wait a minute. You're, you're in ministry. Like you're a pastor. Well, first of all, I wasn't always a pastor. There was a time I had a real job. I'm not kidding you. So I worked in the secular world. But when I met Jesus... I was so on fire for him. I could not shut up about him. Like when I went to work, I, I, I would bring people in, employees in, and we would do reviews, like quality reviews. And Jesus was on my heart the whole time. So I'd bring them in and I'd have conversations with, with them and it'd get weird because I'd be like, okay, we'd go through the review and I'd be like, okay, these are the things that you're really doing good. You get that? They're like, yeah, I get that. I said, these are the things that you could probably improve on. And they're like, oh yeah. I said, you, you want to know how you can improve? 
Jesus. Jesus can help you improve on those things. You, you, you know Jesus? You want to go to church with me? Huh? You want to go? I mean, they're like, oh my gosh. So getting ready to call human resources, whatever, I don't care. So I couldn't shut up about him. You couldn't stop me from inviting people. But then I get called into full-time ministry. And this is humbling to say. That, that in full-time ministry, you think it would be, and I love ministry. I mean, I do. I, the people part of ministry, that's kind of hard, you know. But anyway, I love ministry. But to say that, that my faith can waver even as a full-time pastor, it has. You know what I found myself? I, I wrote it down this way. I find myself working for God sometimes, but not spending time with God. That's what I'm guilty of. That's how you can pray for your pastor. I'll, I'll do, I love the Lord, I'm going to do your work. And the Lord's like, you can put the work aside for it. Why don't you and I just connect? And I have to learn. I, I, I'm, I'm trying to get better. But, 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 but what I find is I've become sometimes a full-time pastor, but a part-time follower. And I know that many of you, many of you aren't in full-time vocational ministry, but my question is, have you become a full-time parent and a part-time follower of Jesus? How about a full-time student? and a part-time follower, a full-time employee or a part, and a part-time follower, a full-time friend, but a part-time follower of Jesus. You didn't intend for it to happen. You didn't mean for it to, you, you to go from full-time to part-time when it comes to Jesus. I wrote down, you didn't intend to lose it, but maybe you did. I have good news for you, and I've got good news for me. It's the main point. You need to own it. You need to learn it. You need to, I hope you love it. God can help you take back what you lost. See, God can help you take back what you lost. I was, it was, you know what it was? It was get back what you lost, but I changed it. It just wasn't right. Because you are so involved in the equation, you've got to take it. God's going to show it to you. Uh, unless he reaches down and grabs the axe head, he ain't getting it. God can help you take back what you lost. I don't know who I'm preaching to. So how? God, how can I, how can I take back what I've lost? Maybe the spiritual edge that is dull in my life. How do I do it? How do you get your edge back? Let's look at the scripture. Remember 2 Kings 6.6, 6, the first part? If you don't, I'll read it to you. Elisha asked. Remember what he asked? The first thing he asked the guy when he said, hey, my, the axe flew in the water. Elisha said, where did it fall? Where did it fall? I wrote this down. We need to know where we lost it. Start with where did you lose it? Do you remember? When I'm, when I'm, when I'm looking for my phone, Ava, what do you say? Dad, where'd you lose it? And I'm like, I have no idea because that's why I'm looking. Anyway, so, but, she, you know, where? Think back when you had it. W did something happen that made you, caused you to lose it? Maybe it was a, a trauma. Maybe it was a breakup. Maybe it was uh, a COVID happened. Whatever it was. Can you recall where you lost it? Where it Because if you can recall, you can help, God can help you restore it. But, but, but where did you lose it? And you got to be honest. Think about that. It's going to require you to think on it and pray about it. Elisha said, where did it fall? And then remember what he kept saying? When he showed him the place, Elisha, you remember it, cut a stick, threw it in the water at that spot. The axe head floats up. He says, grab it. Say, grab it. Mm. He had to grab it. And the man reached out, and he did exactly what the man of God said, Elisha said, and he grabbed it. God can help you take back what you lost. Where did you lose it? Can you recall? Can you get a general idea? God can help you take back what you lost. Only God. Actually, that could have been the main point, too. Only God can help you take back what you lost. Only he can. There is no other way. It's, he's got to be part of it. 
Aren't you seeing that in the series? If you've come and you've heard more of these messages, you're seeing that, aren't you? That, that it's you and God. Like God did his part, but then he had to do his part. It, it's, it's all over. There is a collaboration that is happening. God's always moving. God's always working. The question is, are you partnering with him? The question is, as he leads the dance, are you letting him lead and dancing with him? That's what he wants to know. Don't you remember? See, only God, you remember this? Only God can send the water. But you had to dig the ditch, remember? You had to dig the ditch. Only God can supply the oil. But you have to find the empty jars. Only God can make the axe head float. But you have to reach down and take it. And God says, will you take it? Shall take it. I want to take it, God. I want what you have for me. I wrote down, God wants to help restore what was lost in you. He does. And you know who you are, and, you, and God is showing you. And maybe you're feeling the Holy Spirit telling you, I've lost something. I want back. I want back what I had. And God says, I'll help you take it back, but I can't do it for you. I'm in it, but I can't do it all. You need to cooperate. Well, I wrote, I wrote this down. For some, it's not just a dull thing. You've lost, like, everything. You've lost your entire passion. You've lost your calling. Like, you've lost your way. You've lost your way. And and this is why God brought you here. This is why you're listening. And I'm going to ask you, what are you passionate about? Think about it. What fires you up? What gets you up in the morning? What inspires you? What what, what makes you want to go and do? What is it? What gives you, like, this righteous anger? A thing that, 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 that just breaks your heart. Something that burdens you. Well, pastor, you know what makes me real mad is when I'm driving and I see somebody in the car and they're driving alone in the car and they're wearing like two masks. That makes me mad. That's not really what I'm talking about, okay? That is weird. And if that's you, we want to pray for you. But that's weird. But that's not a righteous anger. A righteous anger. I, that wasn't even in my notes. So sometimes, and I don't know if that was from God or not, but let's keep moving. What are you passionate about? Oh, and then I wrote this down because this was me. When I first met Jesus, I didn't have a lot of Bible knowledge. I didn't. I didn't know theology. I just knew that I was dead and then I was alive. It's all I knew. And you know that as I grow closer to God and as I get more knowledge, and that's not a bad thing, but the problem is this. Here's what I've seen in a lot of people, and I've seen it in me before. I had the enthusiasm, but I didn't have much knowledge. Here's what can happen. All of a sudden, you gain a bunch of knowledge, and you lose the enthusiasm. And I tell you what, I want some of column A, and I want some of column B, but here's the thing. If I had to choose, I'd take A all day long. I'd take the enthusiasm all day long. I, I'm telling you, I look at the disciples of Jesus. They were uneducated men. The Bible even says it. They weren't, they weren't that smart. But God used them. Were they, so, were they passionate about what they did? Yeah. Were they enthusiastic about what they did? Yeah, so much so that they gave their lives for it. Have you lost your enthusiasm? I mean, maybe you're gaining knowledge. Oh God, I know a lot about you. God's like, are you doing anything? Are you you partnering with me? God told me to tell somebody this. What you've lost, lean into this. What you've lost, it's not gone. It's just back where you left it. It's just back where you left it. It's not gone. It's just back where you left it. If you want what you once had, maybe you need to do what you once did. It's, it's not, there's not some complicated formula to this. You want what you had. You need to do what you once did. You can't manufacture it, 
Only God can make the axe head float. But you, you, maybe you need to do what you once did. Get back to the gathering. Get back to meeting. Get back to being encouraged. Get, get back to the word of God. Get back to a body of believers that help encourage you and raise your faith like an axe head in the Jordan River. Maybe get back into a life group, a group that inspires you and, and encourages you and prays for you and loves you. Those are our small groups that happen all throughout the week and they can sharpen you. Is it that that you're supposed to get into to get sharp? What is it for you? You want to sharpen your faith? I'll tell you the number one way. You ready? Say I'm ready. I got to know you're with me. The number one way for you to grow your faith and sharpen it, to get your edge back, is the word of God. It is the word of God. Not because I said it, but because God said it. It says faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. That's why I'm so excited that you're here and that you're, that you're watching online or listening because you're, you're hearing the word of God. That's powerful. But when you open it for yourself and you read it and you get into it, you want to grow? I had a woman reach out to me after last week's service. She sends me a message. And she came to Meadows. Now she moved away. She, goes to, she lives uh, three hours away. But here's the thing. What I love about the message, she's already connected to a local church, which is crucial. I wouldn't want to be your church three hours away. She lives in a big city. There's tons of good churches. Go to the local church and let them love you. But, she, but we're, her, we're still her family away from her family. We're still her home away from home. So she reaches out and she says, I've been, I've been attending, I've been going, but I want to strengthen my relationship with Jesus. The, the thing I told her, first thing I told her, get in God's word. You get in God's word. This is the number one way I've grown closer to Jesus. Yet most people don't open it. Not judging you if that's you, because that was me too. I didn't think it would change my life, and it's radically changed my life. Ten minutes a day, you've heard me say it. Ten minutes a day in God's word for the rest of your days will change your days. It will. Pastor, where do I start? Start in the New Testament. Start in the Gospel of Matthew. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They tell the story of Jesus' life. Get closer to him. Fall in love with him. It will change you. The word of God. Think about this when you talk about being sharpened. The Bible says that the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. What, what else is the Bible? It is the sword of the Spirit. The only offensive weapon in the armor of God. Do you see the parallel? Do you see how it will change you when you read it, when you open it? It's the number one thing I tell people. And, and, and I'll give you one more. I'll give you another scripture that just backs up. Scripture always backs up scripture, by the way. So the last book of the Bible is Revelation, okay? Now, some people call it Revelations, but those people are wrong, okay? It's Revelation, there is no S. I, I, that's just probably a pet peeve of mine. Anyway, so Revelation, and, and how this book came about is John, the apostle, he's given a word from God. He's given a word, and God literally says, John, write these words down. And, and John writes them down, and it's the last book of the Bible, a, a prophetic book, Listen to how it starts. If you, if you think, this is so, this is so spiritual. This is, this is spiritual warfare right here. Revelation 1-3. God blesses the one who reads, reads the words of this prophecy to the church. That means I'm getting, I'm getting blessed. I like that. So God blesses the one who reads the word. But now it's your turn. And he blesses all who listen to its message and do what it says. For the time is near. What we just did, we're getting blessed. I'm reading it to you, I'm getting blessed. You're listening and you're gonna do it, you're gonna get blessed. This is spiritual warfare. 
I kid you not. Sometimes people will say, Pastor, I read the Word of God and I don't get it. Okay, let's be honest. There's some things that are, that are complicated, right? Axe heads floating up in the water. What? But there's other things that are pretty simple. We probably get more than we don't. I don't get none of the Word. Really? It says don't kill people. Do you get that? It's pretty simple. Don't do that, okay? I mean, it's not that. It's not. There's some stuff. But, but I tell people, even if you read your 10 minutes a day and you're like scratching your head and thinking, I don't understand. Here's what happened when you read it. A supernatural blessing came over your life. That's what happened. You know what God sees when you do that? That's my child seeking me. That's my child wanting to be sharpened by my two-edged sword. Now, my child, they're, they're young, and they're not that smart in the word yet, and they don't really get what, they're, what, they're, what, I'm, what I'm showing them right now, but they don't need to get it now. I love that they're seeking me. I'm gonna bless it, and he does. The word of God, the word of God. So in Revelation, the first part of the book is Jesus is giving John the words to write down. And what Jesus is doing, he's, he's John is penning a letter to seven churches in, in, in the, uh, where the first churches are planted along the Mediterranean rim in, in Asia. That's where the first ones were planted. Uh, Ephesus, the others. So, so Jesus, he's telling, he's saying, John, here's the quality review, right? For the churches. They need to know this. And Jesus lays it out. And he tells them the things they're doing right. And he tells them the things that they're doing wrong. Because he wants to get them back on track if they're off track. Some of them, the churches have lost their edge. They've lost their spiritual edge. I never want medals to fall in that category, ever. The first church that, that Jesus speaks to is Ephesus. A church that you've heard about, Ephesians. Those are the people in that church. Listen to what, listen to what he says. Jesus starts by saying, here are some good things that you, you've done, and they're good. They're, they're good. Thanks for doing those. That's awesome. Revelation 2, verse 4. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you first did. I have this one complaint against you. You used to love me more. You used to spend more time with me. You used to treat others the way that I wanted you to treat them, but now you've, you've gotten dull. You used to do... One translation says, you lost your first love. You lost it. You had it. You were so there. But you've become dull, and you've lost it. My question is, are you, have you lost it in an area of your life? And then he says this. He says, look how far you've fallen. You're, you're at the bottom of the Jordan River. Look how far you've fallen. He says, turn back. You can still take it back. There's still time. Turn back to me. Do the works you did at first. Come back. If you don't turn around, if you don't repent, I will come and I will remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. In other words, I will take my hand off of you. I will remove my hand. And you don't want to be a body that has the hand of God removed from it. That is not good. There's no blessings that will flow from that. I love the grace and the mercy of God. Begging them, go back to your first love. Go back to where you were, will you? There's still time. We're getting ready to baptize. I told you this next weekend. 
many, the people getting baptized, they, they, we send them questions and they share some of their story with us, want to make sure they understand it and want to learn more about what God has done in their life. And I get to read through those questions and, and, and the answers that it's always so just breathtaking to me because they describe their first love. They describe when they fell in love with Jesus and it, I just love it. So, so one of them I got this week, we asked the question, how did you hear about Meadows? What made you start coming to Meadows Church? Do you know what every one of them said? Every one of them I read so far. You know what it says? Someone invited me. This, this gentleman says, I started coming simply because, and then he puts in big letters, I was invited. Have you lost your edge to invite? I'm telling you, that will change people's lives. His life was dramatically changed because he was invited. So here, I, I'm just going to paraphrase something he wrote because he lost a spiritual edge. I want you to show what God will do when you say, God, I want it back. God, I don't just want it back, but I'll take it back. He said, I knew Jesus from a young age. He had it. But I really didn't attempt to grow in that relationship until my early 20s. I, I attempted through a church that I occasionally attended during college. After college, I moved to Omaha to start my career. I was so excited. I even felt relief for a short while to leave the depressing struggles I was going through during the end of my college career. I felt like moving to a new city, starting over and being whoever I wanted to be would be the answer. And how many times do we think that? If I just had a, if I just moved to a new city, the problem is your problems are gonna follow you wherever you move. If I just had a new spouse, if I just had, I, if I had a new church, if I just had something new, that's what he said. It was only after a few months after living in Omaha when things started to really get bad once again. At this point, I already attempted, I already attended one or two services at Meadows. I loved it, but again, just never surrendered. Until one morning, until one morning, he lists the specific day. He even lists the specific time. Go back to where, go back to where you lost it. Go back to where it was. When was it? He says it was at 9.39 a.m. That's when I, that's when something happened. 9.39 a.m. I was driving to a meeting for work. I was already experiencing that depressed feeling, again, like I had in college. I changed my city. I changed my surroundings, but not my actions. And I was still coming back to those bad thoughts about myself and my future. I remember I was parked outside the building where the meeting was, and I broke down bawling. I started to question myself, why did I move? I felt so alone, I felt so scared, I started to doubt that I'd be able to make it through this. I started praying, I started sharpening the edge. I started praying, honestly it felt so weird, I rarely ever did this. It was so dull. And I was begging God for help, telling him I can't live like this anymore. Oh boy, I wonder, maybe I'm reading your story. And then just a minute after that, I got a text message from an unfamiliar number. The person told me that for some reason, God laid me on their heart and that they were lifting me up in prayer. Oh, you can't make this stuff up. They also told me how much God loves me and that he had an, he had an incredible purpose for my life. I don't think I've ever felt that relieved 
as I did that day reading that. My tears went from traumatic to joy. At that point on, I knew what needed to be done. God showed up and my prayers were answered. And next week, he'll be getting baptized. I'm telling somebody, if you cry out to God and you ask him to help you, he will answer every single time. Every time. What does he want to do in you? I came here to tell somebody this. There's still time. You can still take it back. It's not too late to be the person that God created you to be. It's not too late to ask God, restore God, what was torn down in my life. It is not too late to turn around, like Jesus said, and get back on track. I'm telling somebody, it's not too late to reach down and grab the ax head and take your life back. Shout, take it back. I want to take it back, God. I want to take it back. I want to take back what was lost. And this is, what, this is what the gospel of Jesus Christ said. We sin, we screw up. And God says, I want them back. I've, I've, I've lost them. They're sitting, they're drowning at the bottom of the Jordan River. They've separated themselves from me, from their thoughts, with their thoughts and their actions and their selfishness. God, I'm selfish, God, I repent. I'm so selfish at times. And he says, Jesus, you're the answer. You're the power that's going to raise them up out of the water. They're drowning. And I will use you, son, to raise them up. I will use you to make them new. I will use you to give them a second chance, son. I will use you. And that's the gospel. And that's what God did. The grace of God, Jesus comes, dies a horrible, heinous death. Never sinned, never messed up. What's crazy about that story in the grace of God, you want to know who lost it all and got it all back like that? I told you it can turn around in an instant. You can get it back. The guy on the cross next to Jesus, one of them, you know what he thought? I'll never get it back. I'll never get it back. I'm done and I deserve to die. And Jesus is like, there's still time. He didn't say this, but I'm just saying, you can still take it back. And the guy on the cross who deserves death, you know what he does? He, he cries out to Jesus, and he doesn't even say, Jesus, save me. Jesus, raise me up out of the Jordan and save me. He didn't say that. He don't think he's worth it. He says, you know what? Lord, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. Do you know what happened in that moment? He was saved. Do you know why he was saved? It wasn't because he did anything. He couldn't. He was, he was nailed to a tree. Ain't much you can do up there besides die. And as he's bleeding with the Lord, by faith, here's what he says. I believe you have a kingdom that is not of this world. I believe that you, when you die like I die, I'll probably be dead, dead. You're going to come back to life. That's what he's saying. I'm a sinner. I'm messed up. I'm drowning in a Jordan. But you, just remember me. And Jesus says, I'm so much better than that. He says, not only will I remember you, but today you will be with me in paradise. You can still take it back. That story, I love it because if you're hopeless and you're helpless, you're, God's still working. There's still time. You can still take it back. For some of you, this is your next step. 
to, to take it back means that you, you collaborate with Jesus right now. And you say, I'm done playing the game. I'm done like talking the talk. I'm ready to walk the walk. I can't do it. And Jesus is like, I know you can't. That's why I did it. Call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. That's what the Bible says. You can't earn it. That man on the cross, he was saved by his faith. He had faith to believe you have a kingdom. It's not here. You're, you're, there's something about you. You're not of this world. And Jesus is like, that's right. By faith, by your faith through God's grace, you can be saved online. If this is speaking to you and you're ready to take it back, and when I say take it back, I mean you're ready to collaborate and dance with Jesus Christ for the rest of your life, type I choose Jesus in the comments right now. Type I choose Jesus. We will connect with you. We will love you. We will walk with you. This is just the beginning of new life. If you're in the room, you know the decision cards that you have, the connect cards. What is the Lord saying to you? Will you sell out to him? If you do, and you call in the name of the Lord, you know what your next step could be already next week? Getting baptized. Remember what saves you? A relationship with Jesus Christ. But how do I get it, pastor? You call on the name of Jesus. By faith, you say, I believe that you are dead and you're alive. You were in a tomb, and now the tomb is empty. And I believe that, and I want you in me. I want you to forgive me. And when you do that, the Bible says, you will be saved. Make that decision. And when you do, your next step is baptism. Baptism is telling the world that you're saved. It is a declaration to God, to the devil, and to your family. I am part of the family of God. If you have questions about baptism or you want to get baptized, write baptism on your card. Type baptism in the comments. I want to close by telling you something. The Lord went to an extreme, extreme measure to raise you out of the Jordan River. Extreme. So much so that his son bled out. Dead for you. But he didn't stay that way. Here's the thing. I wrote down, aren't you grateful that God specializes in finding what is lost? I am grateful. Your pastor was probably the most lost person that you've ever seen. Thank God you didn't see me pre-Jesus. You probably would run from this church. Last weekend, if you were here, we had note cards that you filled out. And you brought them to a jar, and we filled a jar with them. And the note cards... You were asking the Lord to empty you of what needed to be emptied that you offer to him. And then you ask God to fill you with what you wanted him to fill that only he can do. I read through all the cards. I always do. Pray over them. What I read from you always blows me away. Like literally gives me goosebumps. It's so amazing. So many of you asking God show up. God do this. God I need you. God I'm desperate. And God listens to every one of them. I'll read you one. Now, there's no names on this, and even if there was, I wouldn't read it. I, I'm guessing it's a girl, because the handwriting's pretty good. But that's kind of stereotypical, so I shouldn't say that. But I'm just saying my handwriting rivals a four-year-old, so it's, I'm just going to guess. So, here's what she wrote. See, she knew something. She took something back. Here's what she said. Be afraid, Satan. I like that. Be afraid, Satan. That's bold. You hear that? I know you're listening. Be afraid. I'm taking it back. And then she writes, be very afraid. I like it. It's like exclamation point. Be very afraid. This is what she says. Because I 
have Jesus. Now understand what she's saying. You know why she can speak to the enemy that way? Because Christ, the Holy Spirit, lives in her. Now when Christ lives in you, well, he's already defeated. He's underneath your feet. He's been defeated. He's done. She's declaring her victory over, over Satan. Be afraid, Satan. Be very afraid. Because I have Jesus and I will not stop. I will not give up. Is that your battle cry? Will you not give up? Will you not stop? I'm telling somebody, if you're not dead, God's not done. And he's not. I love that. I pray that's your battle cry today. Bring it on. I have the power of a living God inside of me. And if you don't have that today, it can change right now. Call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. What edge is God asking you to sharpen? He wants to sharpen it for you. He wants to change you. No more living for this world. No more living for what makes the world happy. I want to live for the Lord. I pray you'll join me. I pray that you'll sell out. God loves you so much. Take it back. Take it back. Father, in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, I thank you for your word, your precious word. How you can make a story of a piece of machinery floating in water. And you can use that, God, to illustrate your, your love, your grace, your power. Oh my God, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for all of it. Thank you for showing us that when we open it and read it, something supernatural takes place. God, you, the Holy Spirit is here. He is here and He is working. God, I pray our job right now is to do whatever the Holy Spirit is telling us to do. For some, after this song, they're going to come up and they're going to pray with the prayer team. Or they're going to go in the prayer room and they're going to pray and they're going to cry out to you and they're going to take back what was taken from them through the power of prayer. Others are surrendering their lives to you, God. Others are signing up for baptism to declare their faith in you. Say, I am a child of the king. Telling Satan, yeah, be afraid. Be afraid because there's something that's in me that's way bigger than you'll ever be. His name is Jesus. And he takes dead things and he brings them back to life. He takes heavy things and he helps them float on water. If there's something heavy in you, if there's something dull in you, church, Right now, you're to give it to God. Right now, let him have it. Right now, surrender it all. I'm telling you something, church, believe it. If you do, if you collaborate with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and take back what was taken from you, if you do it, the best is yet to come, I promise you. Sell out to the King, you'll never regret it. In Jesus' name I pray and we all say, amen. Hey, I want to thank you so much for tuning in today. But don't stop there. I invite you to like or subscribe to our social channels. That way you don't miss a single video, update, or message. But not only that, would you consider sharing this message with a friend, coworker, family member? I mean, so many people need hope and encouragement, and you have the ability to bring it directly to them. Finally, one more thing. I want to ask that you would consider giving financially to this ministry. I mean, God has done so much much, but yet we believe he wants to do so much more, like so many more people he wants to reach, so much more hope he wants to give, so many more lives that he wants to save, and your investment can help make that happen. So again, thank you so much. I love you, and God loves you more. God bless you.